I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. is the Toffee Web Podcast. Well, at this time of the season, and with so much at stake, you almost expect something dramatic to occur. And with nine minutes of added time, Everton will be hoping that it is in their favour. McNeil, still we go on. Gray. All the targets who are up for the corner are in there. Bentley can't reach it. Keane, and it's been turned in! Yerimina! It seems to happen every year at this time of the season. Someone unexpected weighs in with a dramatic goal. And Yerimina is the most unlikely of heroes. It's a massive, massive goal for Everton. It heaps the pressure on Leeds and Leicester. Keane kept it alive and Yerimina turned it in. Bentley went for it, couldn't get to it. Tarkovsky won it. Keane with the setup. The three centre halves combining. Sean Dyche has a lifeline. Unless Leeds win tomorrow at West Ham. Everton most likely will have their destiny in their own hands on the last day of the season. Well, I never. Sean Dyche, if he didn't know about the spirit and character of his side, he certainly learnt about it today. A goal behind, two key injuries, time running out, and the centre-halves have combined 
to find a precious equaliser and Everton a precious point. Drama right in the end. It's finished. Wolves won. Everton won. So this is it, Blues. It's gone down to the wire as we feared it might, and while it's hardly ideal, it could be a lot worse. Put simply, beat Bournemouth on Sunday, and Everton are safe. It's in our hands at Goodison, with the 12th man behind a team that pushed to almost the last second at Wolves on Saturday, and that's all we could ask for, really, as we try and escape this horrible season with our Premier League status intact. This is the Toffee Web Podcast, and I'm joined by Paul, Adam and Andy to look back at uh, the chaos of that Wolves game and that dramatic finale, as well as try and gear ourselves up for the weekend, which feels like a lifetime away at the moment. Uh, Adam, it's going to be a long week, uh, but are you looking forward to this all being over in five days' time? I feel like I've aged uh, 10 years, uh, more than the 10 years that last season put on me. <laughs> How about you? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm withering on the vine as we speak. <laughs> I, am, I am wasting away. I... I just said before we joined, actually, I've, I've just got back from a dentist and he said, you're grinding your teeth. That started. That's the thing. Um, I expect to not have any by uh, by this time next week. Uh, I'll, I'll be straight back again. No 12-month 12-month checkup here. It's it's awful, isn't it? It's awful, but I need it, I need it to be over. I need to rip the plaster off and see where everything settles. It's... Um, it's not helped by the fact that it, this is another season, um, like the last couple, really, where it's it's dragged on, <laughs> um, both in terms of the year. We're now what the twenty third of May, and the season still, yeah, still still with us. But it's just been at, at least it's not a sleepwalk to destruction, but it's it's really felt like a really horrid march, hasn't it? At times. Um, and that Wolves game on Sunday really typified it. I think it was, it was another tough, tough watch. Um, as I'm sure we'll get onto, we're not only satisfied with suffering through Everton at the moment. We have to suffer through other games of football around us. We, <laughs> yeah, we we can't even escape by seeing what other teams are up to. Um, so we are left with this, just this feeling of pressure building um and I'm, I'm ready for it to be over i wish i was more positive than that and i'm waiting for paul to just bring a chink of sunlight <laughs> into my life and um <laughs> help me out a little bit but it's um at least <laughs> no i do need to be more positive it is in our hands and i think if you'd have asked me at the end of april would i take going into the final game of the season knowing that a win would secure our safety then i absolutely would have because we we lost some very winnable games at a time that would have dragged us quite comfortably from safety. I, I, it's it's going to be very close to the record low of points required to stay up um, this year, which isn't surprising given the sides around us and how inconsistent they are as well. But to be in this position, yeah, we'll take it. But wow, it's really, really making us suffer, isn't it? And... Yeah, I just hope that come come next week we're dressing ourselves down and going, thank 
expletive here for that because it's um <laughs> it, yeah I'm, I'm i'm ready for that cool sense of relief and yeah this this feeling beforehand is ugh, it's icky it's nasty paul help me out i think i uh aged about 10 years just watching the newcastle last <laughs> game last night let alone, let alone that age 10 years over the last uh, season or two it was horrendous, wasn't it? To watch that. It was absolutely horrible. That last, when Leicester finally got on the ball after 89 minutes or whatever it was and started knocking that around, you just that horrible dread, didn't you? You just like, if you're anything like me, I remember like just sitting on the edge of my couch, just like eyes in front of my face, just sort of like, oh, this is just, I can't. And then when they had that, yeah, before four, the world that was going in, when they had that shot, but as it was, they were they were lucky to get a point, but they could have got a hell of a lot luckier, couldn't they? And that would have been that would have been really catastrophic, I think, if they'd have gone into that. Ahead of us, I'd, I'd worry. I'd, uh, going into behind uh, below us, I'm not as worried about them so, suddenly. If you know what I mean, I, I just don't think they got that momentum last day. They give themselves a chance by being in it, but um, them and Leeds, I don't feel like they got the momentum. Hopefully, we can do the job, but um, we might just have that backup of them being just that bit crapper than us somehow. <laughs> you know what I mean? So uh, we'll, we'll have to see what happens at the um, at the weekend with that, but. Um, yeah, we got uh, Leicester got very lucky last night to get a point. Could have been worse for us. Um, but yeah, as Adam said, as we all know, a win keeps us up now. And again, really, when you looked at it a few games ago, I think it was after we drew with Leicester. And I think we looked at it and thought, oh, flip it out, Brighton. Uh, most people looked at Brighton City, but we're not going to get anything from them. So I think we were saying then, right, it's down to them last two games. That's what we were kind of banking on. So, and I think if you looked at it in that point, you probably weren't banking on us being in a situation where as you win, you definitely survive. Yeah, I mean, and that's the position we're in. So um, really, we can't complain and you can't complain with the opponent on paper, Bournemouth at home. Yeah, I mean, I think the, again, the position we're in compared to Leicester and compared to West Ham, they break the hand off, I think, being where we are instead. So um, yeah, they just got to turn up on the day. Well, uh, oh, it's horrible, isn't it? It really is. I think it was actually a loads worse watching another team wanting them to win than it is watching Everton. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's almost like you know, you, you, it's almost like the I don't know the, the annoying family member, isn't it? You kind of get used to them being annoying, <laughs> but, when, but when someone else comes into the house and they're annoying, it's 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 a lot worse. Um, and I, I was I was absolutely raging when um, uh, Wilson headed that one over from the corner. I was, I was like. I, I remember I, I actually oh, yeah. said out loud, "You play for effing England." Come on! Like I was, I was, I was really, really annoyed. Um, and uh, luckily, I watch. Well, I say luckily, I was uh, driving for the last twenty minutes of the game, so I didn't see the um, the whole the, the whole of Leicester's possession throughout the ninety minutes, uh, which obviously came in those three minutes at the end. But I was listening to the radio commentary, and. The the commentator's voice when he said Castagne, kind of it, it it just sounded like he'd scored because the, the the voice was raised. It was obviously a bit of a surprise. It was like a kind of quick snapshot, wasn't it? And oh my word, my my I don't know what happened to my body, but it, I'm when he said Pope <laughs> saves it, and I mean, um, it's amazing how greedy you get isn't it? When when you have no right to be greedy in this scenario, you know, we go into a last day, two points ahead of both of the teams that could catch us. And yet 
I am raging at Newcastle for giving those points up against Leeds. Uh, that point up against Leeds, I should say. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm even more annoyed with them last night. I'm annoyed with Man City not scoring that penalty against Leeds, which would have made their goal difference a hell of a lot worse. I'm, I'm annoyed with um, the fact that Leicester got a point yesterday. And I know we've spoken about this on the group, but I'm just going to kind of let you into my thinking here. That point for Leicester is a, it's still a game changer in my head. I would be a bit more relaxed now if I knew that Everton need more or less a point. I mean, Newcastle would have, uh, sorry, Leeds would have to win by three goals if we got a point and Leicester hadn't last night. Now they, now if they win, we've got to. I don't know. I, I, I'm If Adam's grinding his teeth, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't want a doctor or a dentist or any medical professional to look at this body of mine for at least another seven days um, because... It's horrible. It's more horrible than last season. It's because last season, I, I think like majority of us did really, we kind of felt as if there was a route out of it, that, that we kind of would be okay, we thought. Where this is just, uh, I know we'll talk about final days of times gone by and whatever, but, you know, when it actually does go to the final day, your mind plays all sorts of tricks on all of a sudden Leicester. Of course, they're going to beat West Ham. Of course, they will. And you look at the evidence and think, well, what what makes you think that? Of course, Leeds will probably beat Spurs. Spurs are rubbish all of a sudden. And it, it plays tricks with you. And already last night, I didn't really sleep very well and woke up in the middle of the night thinking, if Callum Wilson had just got a bit more on that volley... Um, <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I'm not even worried about Everton. It's, oh, it's, it's horrible. It's horrible. And I want it to end. <laughs> yeah. It's because it all comes down to that, to the final day, doesn't it? It's all, and, and you know, and football's unpredictable and weird things can happen. And, and yes, of course, now you're thinking that a team that had more, it seemed to have, have kind of lost itself and the fans in Leicester a couple of weeks ago, they all of a sudden have just a bit of a m- momentum, just that point and that, you know, that kind of nearly that nearly moment with Castagna at the end, which I nearly had a heart attack, to be honest. Um, and then you've got, you know, I mean, Leeds are, Leeds are, are, are in a worse way now because you've got Allardyce throwing his substitutes under the bus and, you know, he's potentially got Bamford and Rodrigo out. So if they have to get three goals, I mean, they're going to be wondering where those three goals are going to come from. Um, so it's really, you know, you'd really want to have to just be worrying about one team, but we're worrying about two. And as you say, Andy, that that point that they got last night really does change everything. I mean, I've seen people sort of saying that it'd be better for the fact that we have to win rather than going for a draw, because you know Everton trying to play for a draw is like playing a bit, a bit playing with fire. But it does it does sort of give you that insurance, doesn't it? If you just if something weird happens, say you know we're, we're ahead, and then right at the end, Bournemouth. You know, Junior Stanislas, of course, grabs the late goal, and all of a sudden we're pegged back to to one, one, two, two, three, three, or whatever. That you know that we've got that just that insurance that we'd be okay. But you know, yes, we can rail against the other teams, and that was perhaps the most torturous ninety minutes last night that I've experienced since we scored in the first minute against Brentford. You know, as you say, it's watching other teams. You know, it's almost it's almost more infuriating watching other teams. But I mean, the truth of the matter is, we should have we've had our chances to get this done long before now. But 
all that said, you can't ask for more than going into the final game with it in your hands. All you have to do is win, and it's at home. And again, you know, I think it was as you said, Adam. I think you know, if you had to pick your your opposition, you know, you'd pick you'd pick Bournemouth, who don't really have anything to play for. And yes, no, no team is truly on the beach. I think Wolves showed that. I mean, there was they had plenty of of fight about them. Wolves, unfortunately because it was quite feisty at times and they certainly weren't giving it up and their fans certainly wanted them to win. So there really is no easy game, but I think if you had to pick one, um, you know, a Bournemouth, Bournemouth team who have, on what they've, what they've lost three on the bounce now or something. So they're, uh, they're not in the greatest of form. So I think that would be the, uh, the team you'd want to play. Um, but let's, let's look back at that Wolves game. I mean, for, for me, it was a game that was almost played out in three acts. And we had that first half an hour where we were clearly the better side on on top, carved out a couple of decent chances for um, for Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Then Patterson's forced off, and the shape starts to go out the window when Michael Keane of, of all players is thrown on at, at right back. Then uh, first half stoppage time, of course, we lose Calvert-Lewin. The focal point, the attack is gone. And I think it really was a pretty ropey and fairly chaotic second half. And th- but thanks to some wayward finishing by the likes of Sarabia and. Jordan Pickford again comes to the rescue. We have the chance to scramble home a goal almost 10 minutes into stoppage time. Paul, what did you make of that starting 11 and the performance overall? Um, a bit bewildered, if I'm honest, by the, the starting 11. Really, I, while we didn't have a left back, I thought um, McNeil just has to be fair with the pitch because he's just far too much of an attacking threat. I think he's had to find another way. And I remember saying on. Um, Saying in the car on the way up uh, or down, I guess to Wolves that we had to discuss that. I said, I just stick Holgate there and just ask, ask him to do all he can. It's as simple as that. And I was like, sure, it's going to be tough. Just do all he can, and McNeil's got to protect them a bit. And we've got to let, we've got to have them worry about us, and we've got to attack more and just, and just hope he can hang in there. And that's about all you can really do. You kind of just sacrifice that position a bit and just, and just, and just go for it elsewhere on the pitch. That's the way I was seeing it, thinking even the case of, look, it might mean we have to concede the goal, but if we can score two or three, we've won the game. But as it all turned out anyway, obviously with the injuries we had, it was, um, oh yeah, I didn't quite get the midfield. There was, uh, sorry, I, I, I didn't quite get, well, okay, if you're playing that wide, we've got basically four centre-mids across a whole midfield for, you know what I mean, or, or five, five or whatever it was, you know, so... Um, I didn't quite get why Demarvi Gray wasn't given an opportunity further forward. It didn't seem to make much sense to, to try and jimmy so many midfields into it. But um, and then obviously the injuries occurred, and I remember at half time we were just thinking he has no choice but to go sort of three at the back now, which he did, and it just didn't really work, you know. What I mean, so he had to change it, change it somehow, and um, he just ended up just lumping everything forward, didn't it, and hoping that something came in the end, and um, it did. We were poor. It was really. Really weird performance. It was so so desperate. You can tell the pressure got to a lot of the players. I think in that second half, but I, don't, I think they were really hindered by um, by the substitutions or by the injuries. Rather, um, I would say we haven't had a lot of luck this season. I think we've had very very little. In fact, so yeah, you take that bit of luck, don't you? But it's you know looking like a pretty pretty big point at the moment. I think doesn't it? Isn't it? You know, imagine being. Um, well, just one point ahead of Leicester. <laughs> and then knowing that if we lose and they draw, that that's enough. You know what I mean? The, that would uh, that would uh, that, that would be a bit a bit worthy. So just had to take it really. It was um yeah, good uh, a good point in the end. But um and got obviously the way the way the uh, the West Ham went game went the next day. 
God, when West Ham scored the next day, how, t- how terrible was that when you heard they were winning 1 0? I was a relief to see that one go the other way. But um, yeah, it's a very strange game. Madness at the end when, when we got the goal. Um, I never hugged a strange like that in my life. <laughs> I really haven't. Um, that was a. Uh, yeah, that was something, and uh, yeah, just a yeah, big relief to sort of get something from the game, and hopefully the players can just uh, bring the momentum from that. And they've got to be, they've got to be feeling good about themselves. Or the thought the way you sort of managed to salvage them from that. Results of whichever way you look at it have kind of gone for us this week. At you know these last few days, really, and we're in the position that the it's the best we really could have hoped to be anyway. Really, rather than us winning and the other two lose, it was never going to be simple going into this last game. I don't think so. Um, yeah, so in the end, can't really complain. Good point in the end, I suppose. It's a, a good point, but yeah, one that I, I never saw coming, um, particularly as as the second half wore on. Um, you're right to flag up the injuries, Paul, because I, I think I, I probably lost at least a few canines, if not a molar, during that period. <laughs> um, it was a few quid from the tooth fairy coming in to pay for Decore's new deal, but I think it's um it was it was just a really really bitterly disappointing first half wasn't it because as, as you mentioned earlier Lyndon, we we had some really nice passages of play and it was a pretty good first third of the game albeit there were a few warning signs um i think there was one passage of play a couple of really good headers um from mina um and mcneil i think straight after um and there was that early chance where Traore kind of got in around the back of McNeil and you thought that's going to be a real problem, that area. Um, but we we seemed to kind of settle into that shape and started knocking it around really nicely. Um, there was some nice link-up play between Patterson and Anana. Um, just a, a few chances that we snatched up, but I thought Dom looked really bright and you were like, oh, okay, we might start to pose these some questions and grow into the game. This looks like a, a pretty good away performance. And then... Patterson going off injured changes it completely because then you realise, hold on a minute, we haven't got a full-back at the club. You, you, you're scratching your head wondering if Cuckoo Martin is still on the book somewhere <laughs> and we can maybe drag him out to play left-back or right-back or a bit of both. There's, there's nobody there. And it's and it's it's bad luck, as you say, Paul, but it's also... and I don't need to beat this drum any more than we already have this season, but it's it's just... A very, a very apparent uh, sign of the the poor recruitment that's that's gone on over numerous seasons, and then that point's hammered home even further by Dom going off injured inevitably, um, just when he was starting to look really bright. So to get anything out of that game at that point, particularly with how dangerous Wolves looked on on the break, and and, and they were fired up. I think we are probably. Quite a quite a target for sides like Wolves. I think there's 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 a lot of people who would really really like to see us go down. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Not 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 that Leeds are university popular by any means, uh, <laughs> but I think if you were to if you were to ask most sort of fans around, most ill-informed fans, I'd I'd argue about who should go down. They they they'd, they'd want Everton to. So I think there's a bit of a target on our back in that sense. Um, so and um, and wolves wolves came to the fight and played some some good stuff considering they they change it around and again you look at the players they're bringing off the bench you look at the players they started with like Ruben Nevers these are players who tend to play well against us but also 
would would do a good job in our side. I, I think it's worth mentioning as well, James Garner, who had another really, really strong performance in midfield. I know we've been singing his praises recently, as have a lot of fans, but he he, he put in a really, really good shift, um, both in a forward sense and doing doing the dirty dirty work as well. And but a wing-back by yeah, the end. To get yeah. Any, yeah, just <laughs> filling in all over the pitch, putting in some great balls as well. Yeah. So I think to get to get something to get something from that i i didn't see it coming S- seeing michael Keane as our center forward um well, yeah that's that's a sign that things are getting desperate and when that last ball with pickford up in um up in the opposition area gets cleared and recycled you think well that's it now um so to get something from it and hey i just mentioned him there but michael Keane, he's always involved in some way or another and Fantastic composure in the box to put that ball across for Yeri and um, and a great finish. So it will hopefully give us something going into that Bournemouth game. It's shown that we can score even when you're looking around thinking, where are the goals going to come from? Um, I have no idea what sort of side we're going to put out against Bournemouth. But as long as it's a side that can get at least one goal and settle it, then... I'll be happy. I, I think we sh- we showed enough resilience in that game to give us give us hope. Even if Bournemouth are another side who want to put up a fight and show what they're made of, that we've we've got enough to do it on the day, and particularly with the crowd backing them as well. I think um, I think we should hopefully, 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 for the sake of my dentist bills, have enough. And Sean Dyche has always liked playing four centre-halves across the back and four central midfielders in midfield anyway. So this is actually his perfect <laughs> scenario. And this is where he, <laughs> this is where he would really thrive. Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't mind the starting shape and setup because I thought, well, what, what else really could he do? I know he could have moved McNeil further forward. Then what do you do at left back? We've seen Holgate there. I mean, uh, McNeil is very capable um and it, and it to be honest it started well didn't it the the bit i've got problem with is when patterson came off i'm not sure why at that point why he didn't go to a 3 and why michael keane end up ends up playing as some kind of auxiliary right back when they've just switched traore to that flank i mean i'm pretty sure i could beat michael keane for pace um, and Traore is probably the quickest player in the Premier League, I would say. Um, so we know that, I mean, for all of his plus points, we know that Michael Keane isn't great when the ball is moving quickly around him at ground level. Um, so that that struck me as weird. I, I would have thought if there was a you know an inkling that James Garner could do a role or even Alex Awobi could do a job at right right wing back, you could switch for someone out there and move McNeil up a little bit and, you know, bring Keane on, but play a back three. Um, I didn't get that one. Um, and somebody needs to take charge in midfield and take Traore down, don't they? I mean, that's, yes. that's, a, that's, an, that's an obvious thing to say. I, I'm sure they all know that, but I'm not sure why it didn't happen. Um, Especially Onana, I don't know what I don't know why why he wouldn't just take him out. Um, maybe that's just a bit of kind of game management, Premier League game management that he's still learning, and you know I don't know. But um, that's what Deitch said. But no, I mean, 
He made that Did exact he? point. He said, yeah, as a young player who, you know, who with a bit more experience would have known better, just take the card, you know. Right. Well, okay. A, a young a young player who's got nine yellow cards this season, by the way. So it's not like he's adverse to playing on exactly. a yellow. Just, just, just to throw that in there, by the way. But anyway. Yeah, true. Um, but, you know, that that that's that's the way it went. I mean, I, I know we, we posted on our group, you know, our thoughts when it went, well, when it went 1-0 and... Calvert Lewin and Patterson had gone off, and it was like, "Wow, this is this is a nightmare. This is this is our. If you were going to write a script, which was bad for Everton, this would be it, I think." Um, and fair play to them, fair play to them, fair play to everybody involved, um, because one way or another, they got the job partly done. They got a, they got a point out of it. Um, we could have done with three, but to get anything out of that game from where we were. Um, it just shows, you know, Leeds lost a couple of well, one and half of another really important player at West Ham, and the game went away from them, didn't it? Um, and we we didn't let it. So, you know, that gives me a bit of confidence again in the fact that they're all pulling in the right direction. In terms of um, in terms of the goal, Mina's goal. Uh, I was listening on the radio. I don't have a, fa- way, a fangled way of watching three o'clock kickoffs. Um, I was listening on the radio and uh, it just got into injury time. And I heard the commentator say, and I think there's going to be, and he was just about to say how many minutes were added on. And we had a complete and utter power cut. <laughs> Perfect. No, no, it wasn't just, it, 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 so I, I, I'm thinking what's happened. <laughs> and I look around the house and nothing else is on. I'm like, okay. Now I live in 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 the sticks um and our house has got it's an old house so it's got really thick walls. So there is no mobile signal at all anywhere near our house. It, it's all relying on the Wi-Fi, right? So first of all I'm thinking okay the family's here. We've got to sort out the fact that there's a, there's a power cut first. You know, there's stuff in the freezer, in the fridge, blah, blah, blah. So I'm running around neighbors' houses going, have you got a power cut? Have you got a power cut? Where's the power? Have you, you know, I'm always mindful of the fact that there's something really quite pressing going on that I need to be involved in in some way. Um, so work out that one neighbor's got it, one neighbor hasn't. I'm going over the road looking in someone else's kitchen. Can I see anybody else, anything else is on? All this goes on. And suddenly I think, oh, my God, Everton. Everton. So I'm running up the road with my mobile phone to a point where I know I can get just about enough 3G signal. <laughs> and all I see, this is probably by the time I've kind of logged onto this, it, this is probably, well, it is more than 10 minutes later. Um, all I see is a message from my mate. It just says, OMFG Everton. And I'm thinking, I need more, but does, <laughs> does this mean have we missed a penalty? Have we gone two 0 down? Have we maybe scored one and then conceded one? Um, have we won the game? I'm thinking all, all this is rushing through my head, and then gradually, obviously, the ping, ping, ping comes up, and it's Jerry Mina, 99 minutes. Um, and at that point, uh, believe me, I was delighted. I would have happily taken that that something had happened in those ten minutes that was worthwhile. And it was, uh, by the way, there was 44 houses out and we were not back on till eight o'clock. So, uh, you know, I missed, I missed all the all the, the most important bit of the whole game. Thank God for mobile phones, eh? So if that is the goal that keeps us up, I completely and utterly missed it. 
Yeah, well, the good thing is there's been plenty of moments over the season that if we do stay up, we can kind of look back on and point to maybe it was there, maybe it was there, maybe it was there. But um, yeah, so I, in terms of the formation, my my thoughts were that that actually Dwight McNeil was probably at least for the first half when you you know when you first set out you set your stall out Dwight McNeil was probably the most capable player to put in that left back role. But yeah, like like you, I thought that once Patterson went off, I thought that was potentially the time to go through at the back, which he eventually did. And I think you know Deitch admitted afterwards that he changed that he changed sort of formations and and, and systems about three times in that second half just to try and get something over the line, which, you know, thankfully he did and, uh, and fair play. Um, but I mean, that's obviously, we're going to have the same issue on Sunday against Bournemouth, no Calvert-Lewin again, uh, potentially no Mikalenko, but it's looking a little promising for him now, seeing as he's, he was, he was back in light training as of Monday. Uh, but let's say Mikalenko doesn't make it. We've got no striker, no fullbacks. Paul is is Sunday the time to to, to go through at the back um, and who gets the starts in in those positions? Maybe I don't know. In a, in a weird way, it's hard to tell at the game sometimes, isn't it? It's I, I fought second half. You guys actually know better. Maybe not you, Andy, from, from that experience <laughs> you just had. But I said, but like, uh, be able to be able to tell us like, um, was it more back? Was it more, was it more of a back three in the second half? I thought it was. He sort of reversed. I mean, he said he sort of did a few different for, uh, formations and saw a big, big Mick went up front. But um, was it? If it was three at the back, I mean, I felt he changed it. He ended up changing it because the three at the back wasn't working. And now, just because it doesn't work in one game, doesn't mean it. It doesn't mean it can't in the next either. But it still just felt like a little bit of a gamble going into a game which we have to win. To change the system, which the players, you know, the players are obviously most familiar with the with four, what four five one, whatever one you, you want to call it, but four at the back. So I guess you might it might be it might be forced on, upon them with with lack of personnel. But I I just worry about it, you know. I just worry about going three at the back um, in the must win game. So I'm not so sure uh, myself if that's the way to do it. But if we do go, if we do go for like a back four. You're right. What the hell do we do um, if Mikalenko is not available? And there's certainly no fault. Like you probably get away with it, right back a little bit if you stick Holgate there. Perhaps even Cody, maybe I don't know. But like, uh, yeah, you probably fill a position there. But you can't really at left back then, can you? Unless you put on McNeil. But I think I, I don't want. I really want to see McNeil running at the defender. And again, if he's playing wing back, he's got a little bit less opportunity to do it because he's got a lot more defensive responsibility. I really want him unleashed going forward a bit, really. So. Um, it's a real pickle. Um, really, just got to hope that uh, Mikalenko is available because that will solve a lot of problems. Um, same really, really got to sort of worry about the other side uh, rather than both. Um, no, I'm a bit against going three at the back to answer your question. I, I think I think you're right in that if Mikalenko's fit, then it becomes a much easier decision, doesn't it? Because that's three out of those four players are comfortable playing in a back four and someone like a Holgate has played at right back before. It's it's a more familiar setup. If Mikalenko's not fit, then I think having seen how we coped at Wolves when we tried to continue with a four with the personnel we've got, I think he'll have to go with some some form of three. Um with probably with McNeil and yeah may, may, maybe it is a Wobi on the right hand side uh, to offer a bit more pace. Um I take your point point Paul in that it 
it restricts those players going forward. They're probably the two players. I'm, I'm assuming away be still leading on assists. I think McNeil's um, close behind. So, but then who are we going to play up front as well? You'd imagine it would be Damari Gray. It was a, another pretty unconvincing cameo from Neil Mopay, it must be said. Um, I'd imagine it would be Gray with Decore trying to get as close to him as possible and offering some kind of support. But is it a formation that really inspires me either way, whether it's a flat-back four without a recognised wing back or at least a fully fit one or a or a five that is also pretty unorthodox no it's not ideal is it but i think we have got enough quality in there particularly in that midfield area it does it does look as though in certain areas at certain times um albeit it was disrupted with the substitutions on um on sunday that we are finding a bit of balance in in that midfield area so I like to think that we'd have enough for Bournemouth. It's tricky as well to know exactly what side Bournemouth are going to play because they played a pretty different side at Manchester United. They've got lots of players who, when you mentioned Junior Stanislas before, then that, that really made me feel <laughs> a little bit Sorry. sick in my mouth. Uh, no, it's, it's okay. It's just just a jarring, a jarring couple of memories. Um, yes. I think, I think we are a different side, a, a better organised side than the one that came up against Bournemouth twice in a week and, um, well, where, where the rot really sat, sat in, didn't it, really? Um, under Lampard, at least. So I feel we're in a better position there, even even with the injuries, but he's certainly got some big, big, big decisions to make. I, I guess one thing we learned from Sunday is he's not afraid to change it within the game. He's not as stubborn as we sometimes like to think he is. So hopefully if if it isn't going our way, if it's nil-nil after an hour and we we need to start pushing because we've kept it solid but not spectacular, then there is hopefully enough flexibility from a manager as well as the players to to go at, to go out and get something. I, I just hope we're not looking at other results and we are just thinking, oh, great, second half, it's 3-0 and we can start thinking about the beach as opposed to, oh God, what are Leicester up to? That's my hope. Can you imagine being 3-0 up on Sunday? Can you imagine how that would feel? Wouldn't it be great? I've just tried. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know what I'd do. I don't know. How how would I take in the rest of that game? I don't know. Power cut. That's not terrifying. <laughs> if, it, if it goes for the one, yeah, if it goes for the one, it's just all of a sudden be oh. bored, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, just uh, I can't even like either for the one, you can't relax. You know? So yeah, awful. I don't know what he should do Sunday. If I'm honest, I mean, I, I, that's why he's paid a lot of money, and I'm not. I mean, I, I don't know. I, you can see the pros and the cons of, of both, really. Uh, you could put out probably a better balanced eleven. With a three, you know, three centre-halves playing at centre-half, a right-sided player, let's say it's a Wobie or maybe, well, Garner played quite well there, didn't he? Um, yeah. and, and McNeil playing on the left and then a kind of balanced midfield of whoever's not there out of Wobie and Garner with Garner and Decore or Garner and Onana and then Decore helping whoever plays up front. 
uh, which is the other big one, because it doesn't look like Dominic Calvert-Lewin is going to be fit, does it? it the, the way that happened, his head in his hands, I think he knew that was that. Personally, that's how it looked. I don't know. I might be surprised. I hope I am. But that's the other big one, is who starts... Uh, for me, it's probably got to be Damari Gray. Um, but who knows what he'll do? I think it... Yeah, I don't know. And I mean, nothing's going to deflate... Goodison on Sunday because you get the impression of what Goodison's going to be Sunday and I think it's all the good bits all the good bits together um but I don't know whether if he starts Mope there might be a kind of oh really um feeling um where even if he started Sims I mean we've spoken about this before at length what happened to Ellis Sims but you know um I think it'll be probably grey if it's not DCL yeah I think you're right I'm I'm curious as to why Ellis Sims has kind of just dropped off the uh, just dropped out of the reckoning since that goal at Chelsea. You know, I must probably go back to the the old chestnut of he sees them in training and and all the rest of it. But uh, I, if we're going to start with a striker, I would prefer an Ellis Sims who's not like Calvert Lewin, you know, all that much, but he's more like Calvert Lewin than uh, than Neil Mope who really is um, struggling as much for confidence as any player that I've seen play for us. I think, you know, he's clearly, uh, clearly, clearly lost his way. I, I suspect it will be Damari Gray and, and it will be that um, kind of approach that we took at Forest with, you know, as you say, Decore pushing on next to him. It was interesting actually, because um, Gray really didn't play up front at all uh, at Wolves. It was more, all the focal point was put on Michael Keane. And it's nice to know that we do have that that option, you know, to sort of throw him up at the end if we really need him to, because uh, you know he's he has he's weighed in with his moments as an Everton player, you know, and his impact. When you look back on his career, his impact might have been more in the opposition box than than our own, in in a positive sense. Anyway. You say, you say that's nice, Lyndon, but I, I don't want to see Michael Keane anywhere near the centre-forward position on Sunday because that suggests that things have really started to go awry. Well, either um, either awry or they just haven't gone... Like, we haven't made the breakthrough mm. and we absolutely need to. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, yeah no, I absolutely yeah. agree. But as I say, it is nice to know that um, we do have that option. <laughs> and and it's a now yeah. uh, a proven option, really, when you, when you look at uh, his goal against Palace last season and obviously his assist on... Uh, on Saturday, um, I mean, if it were if it were me, I, I think I'm going to predict that Mikalenko makes it, or at least starts. And we'll obviously, have to see how he gets on. Um, but if he isn't there, I mean, I if it were me, I'd go with a back three with Cody, um, Tarkovsky, and Mina, and then someone like you know McNeil and perhaps even Awobi or Ghana as a right wing back. Because I just think, as you said, Andy, it's just it's it it, it gives you the balance. Um, and that sort of defensive solidity to then act as the platform. And I think in the rest of the team, we've got enough quality to to get the job done, particularly when we know we need to. You know, the atmosphere will be there from the beginning. I, I'm sure it's going to be, I'm sure it's going to be nervy. I think there's going to be an undercurrent of nerves there. I, I can't, it's a bit like the, the Palace game last season, is that there was a, there was an undercurrent of nerves, even though we were, everyone was up for it. But, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see what the uh, what the what, what Deitch says about Mikalenko's availability in particular. Um, there's a there was a slight, slight doubt about Onana as well, I think, because he's obviously been he's had a bit of a groin injury, and I think 
someone I saw somewhere that, that it was suggested that that's the reason why he came off in the second half. So that that sort of might add a um, might add a complication to to Deitch's thinking. Calvert Lewin is definitely definitely going to be ruled out. I think the sense is that he's going to if 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 this were a, you know the season were to continue, he'd probably be out for about five weeks. I think was the the suggestion someone made. And it looks like um, Patterson's in a similar boat. So I think we can more or less rule them out and just try and just try and pass an eleven from from those who are who are left standing. Said that a number of times this season. He's getting out to find a way, and it's just uh, never more so than this one. I don't think it's just uh, yeah. That's why he's paid a lot of money, as you say, Andy. And he's just going to have to find a way to do it. I mean, it, it's it's hard to know. Like what sort of knocks and bumps and injuries everyone's got really we'll just have to see yeah, see what he does and I don't know does he decide early in the week based on based on the information he's got right we're going to go with three and then that way they've got a whole week to work on it um, or are these, is he still weighing it up it's hard it's hard to know but um, yeah it's just hard to even really put into words what <laughs> what going to the match on Sunday will be like isn't it it's just going to be incredible really Um Hopeful, um, you know, hostile crowd, Bournemouth, nothing really to play for. Probably not that many Bournemouth supporters there, I wouldn't have thought. No real big reason. They don't tend to have a, you know, couple of travel on huge numbers anyway. I don't think it'd be big backing for them. I think the play, you know, if you can get on top of the players, it might just, uh, yeah, Bournemouth might just not fancy it. I think going into 50 50 challenges, we can, you know, get into them a bit, a bit more and they might just might not fancy it, you know. So that's what we've got to hope for. And we just, find a way to sort of um, will it in, really, and the crowd will have to play their part. Um, yeah, that's, uh, can't add much more than that, really. Just got to wait and see what he does with the players and, uh, and uh, yeah, hope for the best, best and win whichever way, whichever way it comes. We'll just take it, won't we, eh? By hook or by crook. Yeah, just think about the other games as well, if we are relying on um, on stuff. I was having a little think about this before when like people are saying, Oh, West Ham, they don't have a lot to play for now, you know, they've they've got the you know, might be resting place for the final. I mean their final's not for another ten games time, West Ham, I think, after the game. So and I was thinking back to when Everton got to the FA Cup final in two thousand and nine on the David Moyes. I mean, I was full them away the week before. And everyone thought, I know he's gonna rest everybody, but he went strong with that team then, he went with his best team. I think he left Fellaini out. Uh, probably a little bit of a knock. So don't expect West Ham to be doing less of any favours. If anything, you know, Moyes is like, he'll be saying, go on, show that intensity. I want to see that you're worth that place to the team. He'll, he'll have, and I don't really buy into any of this sort of like, oh, he'll want Everton to stay up. I'm sure he will, but that's not really a team talk to it for players, <laughs> no. is it? I mean, oh, this is my old team, boys, come on. You know, it doesn't really work now. <laughs> but the last season when like everyone was saying, oh, Steve Gerrard's going to win the league by beating City with Villa. Well, he nearly did actually, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it doesn't really wash that sort of team talk stuff, does it? I wouldn't have thought of the players. So, but I think West Ham will be up for that. Spurs, it's good that Spurs have someone to play for. If they win, there's a decent chance they're in Europe. They they lost to Brentford the other day, but they, they created so many chances from what I saw in that game, Tottenham. I can't imagine that they're not going to that um, against that Leeds defence. I can't imagine that sort of Son and Richarlison, who might actually be one who might be like, right, I want to win this forever. And he might, he might be like that a little bit. Kane, etc., aren't going to score goals. So I think there's every chance the, the other score, the other results will go, will go for us, I think. But let's take care of business ourselves and uh, go get that win. Let let the crowd sign off happy and uh, big summer ahead after that, isn't it? With MSP Sports and whatever else comes and huge things happening this season. Got to make sure we're in the Premier League for it. You know, it's been an Everton week when there's 
we're almost getting taken over and it's it's not even featured in our conversation because it's just, <laughs> there's that much to deal with now 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 we do a podcast on other premier league sides as well because we have to um so it's <laughs> it's uh yeah it's bonkers that we've not even come to that and, and and the roof's going on the stadium as well um whether whether those two are, are linked or not we'll have to see but i think um yeah that it's it, it makes it even more imperative I, I think i said this um earlier in the week when we were talking about other final day survival, um, you know, the likes of Coventry and obviously Wimbledon before that, this, whether it's because I'm older and I'm, you know, um, a svelte young thing who uh, doesn't really remember those days as well, but it, this feels really, uh, really, really, really crucial, not only to to our pride, but to our our survival, really. There's, there's so much riding on it and... And I think there's no wonder that we as fans feel the fatigue because we had to do it last season and to go through it again under these circumstances has been draining. I just really, really hope the players feed off what will, despite the nerves, be an electric atmosphere at the weekend and just really put everything out there. Put all the noise of potential takeovers and stadiums and everything else just at bay and go for it, win the game. If, if if we stay up and we stay up with the other sides around us losing and let's say we, we don't lose, that's I think that's the lowest points total to survive in the, in the Premier League era in a 38-game season. I think we, was West Brom 34 points? Mm, I'm not sure. Could Good be. question. It's low. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's low, whatever the case. And, and I think that, that says a lot about how poor we've been at stretches this season but there have been moments of real fight real passion real quality so if we can channel some of that and get something out of it and hopefully leave those headlines for another day and another podcast about takeovers and all the rest let's just put the noise to bed and and do it on Sunday so that we can all just Take a, a breath. Easy over summer. <laughs> Take <laughs> exactly. a breath. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I mean, it goes without saying, and it's pretty obvious to say it, but we are the only team on Sunday that doesn't have to go and win. We don't have to go and do anything. You know, we, we our our competitors have to win the game. Leicester and West Ham and Leeds, nothing else will do. Now that will probably change the dynamic of their games. And their fans yeah. and their players, because they have to. I mean, uh, okay, it might get to a point where we have to too. Um, but I think from from the get go, when you've got to win the game, that changes a lot. That changes all sorts of mentality and uh, and individual players and 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 the atmosphere in a stadium. Because if if the slightest thing goes wrong, then you are up against it, aren't you? I mean. You know, um, I, I would. Oh, I, 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 it keeps going like round in my head. Wouldn't it be lovely? A quarter of an hour gone, like they're both losing one nil. It would just be like it would be dreamland, wouldn't it? But I mean, but it will affect them. I think we've got to remember that that we are in the box seat. And although it's easy to think, oh God, Leicester might beat West Ham, and you know Leeds aren't out of it, and all the rest of it. I mean, God, they would bite our hands off to be where we are. Yeah. Somehow we are. 
I would much rather be in our position, you know. And it's <laughs> it's it's funny because it, it it everything just feels so nerve wracking because we know how things can go. But you would you would much rather you know be in our position, knowing that you know <laughs> we could actually lose and still stay up, you know. Which is uh, let's not let's let's not do that. Let's not do that. <laughs> but it, it is obviously going to be another one of those uh those uh, stressful final days not we've had that many in our history but we'll do uh we'll cover that for our for our question this week and and it's, as i say it's not necessarily a um, a relegation final day but what are your most uh prominent final day memories well as adam hasn't got a like uh he's too young to have a uh a relegation <laughs> uh final day memory right we get let me let let, let him get his out of the way yeah <laughs> yeah right sorry i was just on tiktok doing my young <laughs> <laughs> just learning a hot new dance craze um, um i i do sort i do sort of remember coventry but i was i was very young and i i, I wasn't young enough to appreciate the how bad it would have been um it was just another another weird weird game of football to me at that point um but um the game i was going to pick was one that was that didn't have a lot riding on it and it was it was when we finished 7th and that was just a thing we did we finished 7th and we we were switzerland weren't we it was great you just it was magnificent kind of, <laughs> yeah, you could you could, <laughs> you, you could you could have hibernated in October, woken up in April, and gone. Yeah, we're going to finish seventh. Great. Um, <laughs> see, see, see you in the Europa League or equivalent thereof. Um, yeah, so I was going to go for the last game of 2011, where a bonkers game unfolded, where Seamus Coleman was sent off against Chelsea, and it's the sort of game. It was it was Chelsea under Ancelotti as well, and. Um, Cometh for man, cometh for Jermaine Beckford, who scored one of the most bonkers Everton goals, certainly of the Premier League era, if not of all time, where he ran from inside his own half, a couple of really, really dodgy touches, but somehow just held on to the ball and then flighted one over the goalkeeper uh, for a 1-0 win. Lap of honour, finished seventh, job done, re- repince, <laughs> rinse, repeat, fade. Um that would be lovely right now, wouldn't it? A, a, a final day that just ebbs away into the sunshine, and we we look forward to see who we don't buy in the summer. Um, that's kind of what I'd like right now. So, uh, so that's my choice. Looking ahead to uh, to Neil Nope picking it up in his own box and rampaging through the pitch, and then uh, scoring similar to keep us up. Oh. Uh, on Sunday, well, that'd be amazing. Wouldn't oh, it? I would that'd take something as ridiculous yeah. and unexpected yeah. as that. Yeah, <laughs> that would cause a pitch invasion. Then we get, then we get fined and lose dock points or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, maybe not. My um, yeah, my one obviously does involve a pitch invasion. It was the Great Escape in nineteen ninety four. Not that I was there. Um, just the story. It's it was my um, a little bit my twelfth birthday, twelfth birthday party at least. Anyway, I mean, um, those of you similar age to me will. Um, remember a place called Pleasure Island in Liverpool, um, which was amazing. Like it was, uh, it was kind of on the waterfront, um, heading off towards the airport, I guess, and um, had everything. You had, you had, you had like Laser Quest, had a roller, like a roller dome. We had like one of them work soft play areas, like a science museum. Everything. It was absolutely amazing. It was like uh, so. 
it was always quite common for birthday parties and stuff. And we were playing there that day at Everton. We were playing Wimbledon in 1994. Um, so I was there, but Dad talked to me there, me and a few mates there. And uh, just me and one other mate uh, from school, Louis, who were both both Evertonians there. And we were both wearing the Everton shirts and... We were just filling around, and every man and his dog were saying, "Oh, Everton are one or that, Everton are two and all down." And you know, we didn't know if people were lying or not, or just winding us up. And Gary Ablett scored an own goal, and all this. And we were like, "What's happened?" Oh, man, found out it was actually true. And then we heard it had gone two one, and, uh, and then we heard it had gone two two. Somewhere in there, so uh, asked my dad, "Oh, dad, can I have my car keys and listen to the rest of the game in the car?" So me and my mate legged it back to the car <laughs> and turned on. Got, got Radio City on just. Uh, not long before we heard the goal go in, I, was, I could always still to this day remember looking back at his face and he was in the back and I was at the front we just looked at each other like, yeah, it was just uh, amazing and one of the things that I'll, uh, just even though I wasn't at the game, I just moments like that live with you forever, don't they? That was, um, yeah, definitely. Although I wasn't at the match, my certainly uh, final day memory, most vivid one anyway. Well, neither was I. Um, and I've just realised I'm exactly the same age as you. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't my twelfth birthday party, though. Um, uh, but I remember, obviously, living where we live, we, we would listen to the radio, listen to probably five live. And I remember me and Dad we were building up to it in the week, and obviously, I wasn't that old, so I didn't really realise the kind of the true horror of of what you know what relegation means or anything like that. And I don't suppose relegation was as feared in those days, maybe because. It wasn't the kind of height of the Premier League like it is now and all the finances that go with it. But anyway, we were building up to this kind of relegation encounter that was going to happen at the weekend. Um, for, some, for, for some reason, I'd, I'll never know why, we were 10 minutes late um, to getting in the car because we were going to listen to it in the car. We were off somewhere. I don't know where, but we were off somewhere. And we were 10 minutes late getting in the car and we turned on and it was the commentary game. And, you know, you could hear the kind of the crowd and the commentator just, you know, commentating on a goal kick or whatever. And he said, anyway... Uh, you know, uh, Everton nil, Wimbledon one. We'll go off to Old Trafford or where, wherever they're going. And we both looked at each other, and I'll never forget that moment when we looked at each other and gone, "Oh my God, we're one nil down already." And and uh, and it was that would live with me for the till the day I die. And and then when they came back, it instantly went two nil. And I just, even though I didn't understand really, I remember those feelings of that day. And funnily enough. I remember more about the Wimbledon day than I do about the Coventry day, even though it was, well, I was way older. Um, I don't know. I don't know whether there wasn't that kind of. Was there as much jeopardy on the on the? Oh yeah, yeah. on the Coventry day. Definitely. I just don't remember it as much. Um, I don't know why that is. Obviously, not as memorable a game. I, you know, obviously because of the the three, you know, nil nil two three two, but. Um, but no, I mean, incredible to 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 experience that with Dad and and, and the, see you know hear the comeback through a kind of crackly old radio. Um, the one that always rem- I do remember, and it's completely meaningless, and it will never be remembered probably apart from me, <laughs> was the eighth of May, nineteen ninety three, Manchester City two, Everton five. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I remember Beagree got a couple, I think. Beardsley scored, Matt Jackson scored, and, uh, and my favourite player at the time, because I didn't know how to say his name, Preki scored as well. <laughs> um, I remember him being so exotic. 
Um, but, uh, and and he, I don't know why I remember that, but I remember thinking, wow, we haven't done that much before, score five away from home. It must be the end of season thing. And it just stuck with me. I don't know why. Um, I, I always thought it was Sheffield Wednesday until I looked just a minute ago, but actually, no, it was Man City. But I remember us winning 5-2 on the last day away from home in a completely meaningless game. Yeah, well, it takes results like that to remember the meaningless ones, isn't it? Because a lot of those final final day games have just sort of disappeared into into the memory banks. Um, you know, really, the only ones that I remember are either the really important ones, like the relegation ones, or the, the ones that I've actually gone to. I remember going down to um, to Southampton on the last day of the season. Oh, I forget, maybe in the late nineties, it must have been. And just in sort of enjoying the south coast on the in the in the sunshine, those kinds of. Uh, of memorable days. But for me, it's, you know, you, I can't get past the two 94 and 98 and it's hard to separate the two. Actually. I was, I think I've talked about it before on the podcast that I was going to try and go to 90 to the Wimbledon game and sort of word had filtered through that there really wasn't much point in trying because, you know, you wouldn't get a ticket. The park end of no, obviously had been flattened by that point. So the capacity had been reduced. So, um, and I was down in uh, Swansea University at the time. So I just thought, well, it's a long way to go to, to have no guarantee of actually seeing the game. So I stayed at home. Um, and so I too listened to it on the radio, which is, is kind, of, kind of funny to think that we were all sort of, you know, different parts of the country listening to the same, the same thing with the same, mm you know, the same thoughts and the same emotions. But uh, I was, you know, I was really the only one who cared about football in, in, amongst all my mates down there. So it was uh, it was quite a lonely experience. I just remember sort of pacing around the, the kitchen, listening to the radio. I think I actually had a football. I think I was kicking the football against the wall, just, just trying to occupy my, occupy my thoughts. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, I mean, that was an, an amazing, an amazing day. And then obviously four years later, I was actually there. Um, for the Coventry game, which I think we mentioned in the in the previous pod, about how I'd got to the I'd sort of driven driven up early and got there early to sort of try and savor the atmosphere, such as it was. It was it was it was it was a it was a very uh, apprehensive atmosphere because um, I think yeah I think from if I recall I think we were in a slightly better position than we had been four years ago, but we still you know we still needed to win um, and it just felt. I don't know. When you go down there for the second time, you kind of feel like it's heavier because you haven't sort of lifted yourself out of it from four years ago, and it almost almost feels like you're destined to go down. Um, and so that's why it kind of felt a bit heavier. Um, and then you know, obviously we, we got ourselves in front, and one, another one of those ridiculous last day stories: Gareth Farrelly pulls out a gem out of nowhere, one of the one of the least likely players, a bit like Barry Horn, mm-hmm. to sort of belt one in from distance. Uh, and then we make it difficult for ourselves mm-hmm. at the end. I think Tony Cotty misses a penalty. And then uh, you know, Thomas Muro was it, who let the ball go through his hands from Dion Dublin's header. And all of a sudden, it's, you know, you, you're literally listening. To, I mean, I, I was one of the only people in the in the paddock to have a radio. And I was sort of relaying what was going on at the other games. And it was, it was, we were, it was really nail biting those last, those last five or so minutes because we were at that point relying on other teams. Um, so yeah, those are unquestionably my uh, most prominent final day memories. And unfortunately, you know, two of and 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 you can add last May to that as well. Some of my greatest experiences as an Evertonian have been in the sort of the worst circumstances, you know, because we pulled out pulled ourselves out of it. And so you know, one more one more on uh, on Sunday, please, uh, Blues. <laughs> 
you uh, you, you're not yet to go over for this one, Lennon. I would love to, you know. But I was looking at the flights yesterday, and the flights are astronomical. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, the thought the thought did cross my mind. Yeah, bring bring my uh, my my lucky charm. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just, just one quick one, guys. You, you all mentioned what, 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 what's a radio? <laughs> okay, TikToker. It's funny you say radio because I, I just written that down and circled it, which really is really important in my uh, my no keeping go. The um, is, is that, that 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 means action, and that means I'm actually I'm actually gonna go on Amazon see if we can get like a, literally get a radio for 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 Saturday Paul, because Goodison's Goodison's signal's so poor. Yeah, I don't even know if like there's no Wi-Fi. Yeah, and but then again, you think if results mm-hmm. are going well, they'll let us know on the screens. They're not going so well, we'd never know. Maybe 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 you better off better off it being that way. I don't know, but uh, yeah, my uh, see if we can get a, get a radio for for Saturday Sunday. So, how, how does everybody think they'll be on Sunday? I mean, it's a pretty obvious question, I guess. But I mean, Paul, I guess you're going at. I'm not, I, yeah, I couldn't not, get a ticket, I and uh, I don't think my, I don't think my, my no, health would take I. it at this point. <laughs> I, I just, I, I just wondered how you think you'll be because if I, I can feel, I can feel something already, and I don't know whether that's going to kind of, eventually, just, I don't know, like, um, I don't know how I'll be on match day. I. I, I if I'm anything like I am now, I'm gonna, it's, it's going to be. I'm going to use quite, like say last season as a template, which isn't really, you know, there's like it's it's, it's more nerve wracking this one. Cause this is it. This is really this is really it. Um, I don't know. So Linda and I, I don't think we spoke about football at all for a good hour or so. Well, we had a bit or two before. I think if anything, just no. Like, it was a nice distraction. It was fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's like I don't know. <laughs> And even like I think when we were having a little chat before the podcast, I don't think like football came up. You know, talking about you know, you know, just like I wonder if you kind of subconsciously do all you can to avoid sort of thinking and talking about it. I don't know. Well, um, but then once you know, it gets nearer and nearer and more and more real, and uh, and then you, the nerves are probably probably be, probably be really jangling. Um, what I would say at that Wolves game on uh, on Saturday Saturday. <clears throat> I've never felt so desperate as an Everton fan for. Like I've never seen an Everton team so desperate, desperately trying anything to to to, to mm. get a, to get a result, throwing people forward, lumping it up there, changing formations. I've never seen a, a, so many people with just the, the hands over the faces, just not knowing what to do or say. And that that's a situation I don't really want to be in because that will mean we're really really up against it. You know, the uh, the cushion of an early goal, a, a dominant display. Imagine we could just go and do it and just just be dominant and just win the game like you should at home to Bournemouth. Just go and do it and just uh, <laughs> and just, just just get the job done and you know that could really settle the nerves the, the nerves after um, you know early into the game. But going into it, I imagine I'd be doing doing anything I possibly can to take my mind off it. I think is what is my uh, what I imagine I'll be trying to do. Really fancy doing the team talk on Sunday <laughs> after that. <laughs> <laughs> I give Sean a copy of this, <laughs> shall I? <laughs> just, just bloody do it. <laughs> yeah, just ring lots of things. Just put put rings around them. Win, and then a ring around it. That's an action point. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, uh, thanks, fellas. Uh, uh, thanks to you for listening, Blues. Hopefully, you can keep your mind off Sunday for as long as possible, and then it's once more onto the breach and all out for victory. So that whatever happens at the King's House Stadium in Ellen Road makes absolutely no, absolutely no difference to us 
I will be back next week to go over it all. But until then, keep the faith. And of course, up the toffees. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.